Well, maybe since the beginning of time, or at least from the 80s. <laughs> Sorry. One of the classic expressions of love for another person, particularly in story, poetry, or song, has been to tell someone you'd die for them. I would give my life for you. I would die for you. I'd catch a grenade for you. Whatever it is. So, so from Homer and Shakespeare all the way to Bon Jovi and Bruno Mars, right? the, the, the most uh, precious thing we have, our life, has been seen by all to be the greatest expression of value that we can place on another person. Saying, I would, I would give this thing for you. And in fact, Jesus says something almost identical to this in John 15, 13. He says, greater love has no one than this, than someone would lay down his life for his friends. And I think we'd all agree, it's the highest expression, it's the, the pinnacle expression of love and value to give your life for something. And I think we, we, we'd all agree. I think that, that view is pervasive in society today. And I think we see it, particularly if you've ever worked in retail or if you've ever uh, worked maybe in a bank or something like that. What's one of the first things that they go through in orientation? After, you know, they've shown you around the place, given you a uniform, show you the, the ones, this is the passcode for the back door, whatever it is. After that, what's one of the first things they say? Look, if anybody comes in here, someone comes in with a knife, or a gun and says, hey, empty out the cash register. Go back and open, empty out the safe. Uh, you see somebody shoving things, blocks of cheese, whatever in their jacket. Don't try to stop them. Just, just give them whatever they want. Don't, don't try to run after them. Why? Because it's not worth losing your life for those things. Right? We, we, we would say, and I think we'd all agree, that's a correct assessment of value. Think of it. A bank telling a brand new teller who's been there for 15 minutes, all the money in this bank is not worth as much as your life. Wow, that's, that's powerful. And we'd all say, yeah, that's right. In fact, we'd be outraged by a manager who said, actually, you should risk your life for my stuff. People try to take my Twinkies or, or packs of shaving razors. I want you to risk your life to stop them. We'd say, that, that's outrageous. Well, in our passage this morning... We're going to see some of these same things because along with those expressions, many of us in our own lives, let's say you've found someone to love, you, you would express your love for them in this same way, in this sacrificial way. You'd say, I've given you my heart, I, I would give you my very life, wouldn't you? Some of us have said that to significant others. And then, one day, maybe, you have a child. And then... That, that, that expression, that willingness to give your life becomes even stronger. Not, not because you love your child more than your spouse or your other significant other here, but because they're, they're, they're so uh, weak, so helpless and in need of protection, you would say they're even more deserving and even more in need of sacrificial love, just like that. Well, when Jesus reveals himself to us, in our passage here as the good shepherd. He's showing us that he has just that same kind of love for you and I. That's how he loves us. He sees us that we are both in such desperate need of his help as well as we are such value to him that he would give his very life for us. 
We're in the middle of this series right now entitled, I Am, looking at eight things that Jesus wanted us to know about who he is, recorded in John's gospel. And the reason we're doing that, as you said, more than just learning facts about Jesus, is so that we might actually, in getting to know who he is, develop a deep personal relationship with him. Because as we've said, it's only in that personal relationship with Jesus that we're actually changed and transformed by him, not by knowing stuff about him. It's in the relationship that we're transformed by him. So far, Jesus has revealed to us that he's God, that he's bread, that he's light. And then last Sunday, we talked about that he's the gate. But in Jesus' revelation of himself this morning as the good shepherd, I love what pastor and author Tim Keller had to say about this particular revelation of who Jesus is. He said, all the other I am statements tell us something about who Jesus is, along with something he does for us. But along with doing those same things, Jesus' revelation of himself to us as the good shepherd also shows us how Jesus feels about us. That's kind of cool. This is showing us how he feels about us. I think that's powerful to think about because in a world where so much of our worth and value is all seems to be tied to our attractiveness, our beauty, or, or our usefulness to other people. How hopeful, how freeing and life-giving it is it to know that the God of the universe knows us in all of our failures, in all of our, our shortcomings, in all of our ugliness, and still loves us so much, values us so much that he would give his very life for us. That's truly something powerful to know about Jesus and truly something life-changing that we can know about him. Amen. So we're going to look at this radical love that Jesus has for us as the good shepherd this morning. I want to look at it in just two ways. I want to show you how the shepherd knows the sheep and then how the shepherd values the sheep. Shepherd knows the sheep and values the sheep. So if you have, if you closed your Bibles, would you open them again to John 10 and follow along with me together as we explore this next thing Jesus wants us to know about who he is. So let's look first of all at how the shepherd knows the sheep. The shepherd knows the sheep. Now if you think about it, what are some of the key elements in any deep relationship that you have, particularly one in which you'd say you'd give your life for another person? I would say one of the key things, the key elements that's needed in that relationship is knowing somebody, knowing them really well, right? And I think that's true. We, we know that's true because what's one of the things you commonly hear when a relationship falls apart, when it doesn't work? You hear people say things like, I feel like I don't even know you. Talking with your girlfriends, I feel like I don't even know who he is anymore. It's the knowledge of someone that, that brings that tie together of how we have a deep relationship with someone. So knowing someone is essential for having that loving relationship with him. And as I said, that's, that's one of the reasons we're looking at Jesus' I am statements. So that we can know him even better and develop a deeper and deeper relationship and love for him. And if you look at verse 14 of our passage now, look at what Jesus says here. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Now, we're going to deal with how Jesus knows us, and we know him in a second, but once again, we've got to deal with this sheep question very quickly, because uh, uh, it's, 
Well, it's a problem for us. We're already starting at a bit of a, uh, a shortcoming here as people who live on the west side of Vancouver. We, we don't have a lot of interaction with shepherds and sheep, so it's kind of like, well, what are we even talking about here? I mean, for most of us, if we think about sheep at all, we're talking about uh, sweaters or, or whether you want Greek or Indian takeout. That's about the only ways we think about sheep at all. So who are the, the sheep that Jesus is talking about? Well, Last Sunday, what we said is uh, the Bible refers to all of humanity, in one sense, as sheep. It describes us all that way, basically describing our ability to navigate through life apart from God, which, as I also said last week, is not intended to be a compliment to us. But here in John 10, as we also said, Jesus is now speaking about a very particular group of sheep, a very specific group that, that he calls his own. He says these are his own, and the way Jesus says he knows they're his own is up in verse 3 and 4 of our passage. Look there. Jesus is talking here about a, a sheep pen that's guarded and sealed by a single gate. And then he says this, verse 3, The watchman opens the gate for him, the shepherd, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought them all out, uh, out all his own, is that his own? He goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Okay, so Jesus says the sheep are his. He knows they're his because they hear and respond to his voice. They follow him where he leads. And he also says there in verse 3, you notice he says he knows they're his, particularly because he calls them by name. He knows each one of their names. Now, I don't know if you maybe saw the book or have read Victor Hugo's classic novel, Les Miserables. If you saw that or read that, you remember how uh, the general Javert, when he's speaking to Jean Valjean, he so seeks to dehumanize him, to, to uh, speak down and show disdain for him, that the way he does that often is he won't call him by his name. He only refers to him by his prison number. So he says, no, no, your name is 24601. That, that's your name. That's how he shows how he doesn't care for him. He has disdain for him. But the opposite of that, if any of you uh, know my daughters, they're, they're amazing animal lovers. And on top of that, so it means along with having pets, they've got about 2,000 stuffed animals that they own. Each one of those stuffed animals has a name. They could tell you what each of the names are from each of those stuffed animals. And that's actually a way that they're communicating value to them, isn't it? They're, they're showing, hey, you have personhood, you have value to me, and I'm giving you a name and I call you by your name. And so it is with our good shepherd. Psalm 147 says, He numbers the stars and knows each one by name, so He knows the names of each one that are His own. He knows your name. Isaiah 49 says, his, our, our names are engraved on the palm of His hand. Jesus has got a tattoo with your name on it. That's, that's how intimate the relationship was. He knows each one of His, shape, his sheep. He calls them by name and they follow Him. And anyone here this morning who has heard the voice of Jesus calling to them and following and calling him to follow them, and you've responded in trusting faith, that means you too are one of his own this morning. You are one of his own. He knows your name and he calls you by your name. And I don't know if you underline verses in your Bible. I, I, I like to do that on my own. If you do, I would recommend you underline what we see in verse 16. Turn there with me. This is, if you're using the Pew Bible, please don't underline that. But if you have a Bible of your own and you underline verses, I would underline this because unless you're an ethnic Jew here this morning, 
Verse 16 is talking specifically about you. It's talking about how all of us, every single one of us, Jews and non-Jews alike, can be included in the one flock, the one sheep pen that is the redeemed family of God. Listen to what Jesus says. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. So he's talking to Jewish people. He's talking to the disciples. I have other sheep that are not of this flock of the, the Jewish people of Israel, and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. That's why the Apostle Paul can say in like places like Galatians 3.28 that ethnicity, uh, socioeconomic status, even gender are, are not the things that describe who's a part of the family of God. Being part of his one flock, being part of his one body, is required. all that's required is two things, listening to his voice and following him. That's how you know you're part of his sheep pen. That's how you know you're one of his own. And yet, when we hear about Jesus knowing us and how he knows the sheep, he calls them by name, that knowledge is also something that's very hard for us to hear. It's very hard for us to, to understand and come to grips with, but it's also hard to believe because it means that our shepherd doesn't just know us, he knows us, like all of us. It means, first of all, even though you are called by name, even though you are his own, it means he also knows you're still a sheep. Sheep that have a shepherd do not stop being sheep because they have a shepherd. And it also means he knows every intimate detail about you. He knows every uh, gray hair and every wrinkle. He knows uh, every thought that you have that remains unspoken. He knows every failure and sin that you work so hard to make sure nobody else ever sees. It's as plain and obvious to him as a child playing hide-and-seek with you who, who thinks, even though they're hiding in the middle of the living room because they're covering their eyes, they think you can't see them. He sees all of that just as plainly as that. And my guess is for every single one of us, that knowledge is terrifying to us. To be known that way is terrifying. Why? Because although we know to be truly loved, we must be truly known. Otherwise, they're not really truly loving us, are they? We know to be truly loved, we must be truly known. And yet every one of us is also convinced that if people really knew who we were, if they really knew the, the darkness inside us, the horribleness of our thoughts, that we wouldn't be loved at all. So the sad thing is, for most of us, we're actually content to not truly be loved in this life. To just be loved, at least in part, just so long as we can keep everybody just knowing the parts of us that we want them to know. And yet every one of us live every day in fear that today might be the day the cover's going to be torn off, people are going to see who we truly are, and even the, the embers of love that we're warmed by will be snuffed out. So, hearing that the Good Shepherd knows us like that, that we stand totally naked and exposed before Him, all of our shameful, selfish, foolish sheepiness, that He sees all of that, a lot of us, you've got to be thinking, okay, right, that, what, how, how is that good news in any way? And the reason is, is because the Shepherd knew you before He called you. 
All of that. Everything, all the stuff you seek to keep hidden that you don't think could be loved if people know. He knew all of that before he called you. Maybe you want to say, well, that's stupid. <laughs> Why would he do that? Why would he make such a dumb choice? And the answer is, I don't know. I have no idea why. But I'm glad you're not the shepherd. <laughs> because if you were, that means you never would have chosen me. And you should be glad I'm not the shepherd too. Because knowing all that, I wouldn't have chosen you either. But the amazing news of this passage and of the, the whole Bible is actually that God doesn't choose sheep because they're so awesome to begin with. He chooses them because he's awesome. He's awesome. And in choosing them, he makes them worthy. He makes them beautiful. Or as the great reformer Martin Luther said once, the love of man, that, that comes into being through that which is pleasing to it. We see beautiful things and we love them. The love of God does not find, but creates that which is pleasing to it. God doesn't see beautiful things and love them. He loves them and makes them lovable. What that means for us today is rather than causing us to fear, to be worried and anxious, the good shepherd's knowledge of us should actually be a great comfort to us. First of all, because for reasons that we'll never know in this life, even though he knows every failure and foolish wandering that we have done or that we will do in the future, Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, still called us and made us his own. Which means you don't need to do anything. You don't need to clean yourself up to get, get your life in order before you can come to him. You simply need to listen to his voice and follow. That's how you become his sheep. And maybe if you've never... If you don't know what we're talking about right now, if you're sort of thinking, what, he, what do you mean hear his voice? What? what? Is everybody hearing an audible voice right now that I'm not hearing? No. If in your own heart right now, you, you can hear and acknowledge the truth that all of us feel in our more honest moments, that you know all of my best efforts to do life are failing. I can't do this on my own. I need help. And if in the midst of that revelation and knowledge, you see Jesus as the only one who can give you that help, you are hearing his voice right now. You're hearing his voice right now. And if you will simply surrender your life and follow him this very day, you can become part of his flock. And secondly, because he knows us in such an intimate way, that means although it's never a license to sin... When we do wander off, when we do get stuck, he's not surprised by that. Which means you don't need to hide from him. You don't need to come to him doing this as though he can't see. You can come to him openly and honestly with the ways you're struggling, with the ways you're failing. You don't need to pretend like you got it when you don't got it. Because listen, he knows you don't got it. He knows you don't. So you can just come honestly freely to him and say, hey, this is the way I'm struggling. This is the way I'm lost. This is the way I'm hurting right now. I need you. You know, what, you know what sheep are like? This is what they're like. Do you know that if a sheep tries to get through a hole in a hedge that's too small and it gets stuck, it won't just back up and out. It'll just stay there continuing to try to push through. And then it'll just, it won't, it won't ever think, maybe I should just back up and out. It'll just stay there stuck. It's like, I guess I live here now. 
And maybe that, that seems ridiculous, it seems funny to us, but man, how many times do we act exactly that way in our foolish pursuits of things that won't give us life? Foolish of, of things that, that won't actually uh, feed us and nourish us. We're pushing so hard to get that candy wrapper beyond the hedge when all the time the shepherd has led us to lush green fields to feed on. So what that means is the, the shepherd's great knowledge, his deep knowledge of us and our weakness, our limitations, means that when we finally see what we're doing, we see how foolish we're being, and we're like, hey, stuck again. That means the shepherd's response to us is not, what? Are you serious again? You know what? That's it. I, I really didn't see this behavior coming, so I'm sorry. Uh, it was nice having you for a little bit, but I guess you're out of the flock now. Boom. Back into the darkness. That's not what he does. Because he, he knew our weakness beforehand. And so he lovingly comes, frees us, leads us back to, 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 so we can learn more and more to trust him, that he's leading us to good places to feed. We won't resist him. We won't wander off to those other places because we'll trust he's leading us to the places where we'll find life, where we'll truly be fed. He can do that because he knew our weakness ahead of time. He knew what he was starting with. And because we have such value to him, it's worth it to him. It's worth it to him to push through and the long process of training us to trust Him. And that's what we're going to look at in these final moments here, talking about how the shepherd values the sheep, how He values us. How, about, how many of you have ever purchased something that had great value to you at one time, but then the more effort you had to expend to use it, the more its value decreased for you? I don't know what it was for you. For me, growing up, that thing was a Rubik's Cube. I don't know if you know this toy. It's a, it's a cube, and it's got little squares on it. It's a puzzle, and you twist it. It's one of the stupidest toys ever created. But I wanted one of those so bad, and I begged my parents. I saved up my allowance. I bought one, and I was so happy to finally have this thing. Listen, in one day, that went from the most valuable pursuit of my life to the biggest waste of time and money ever. Why? Because it was so hard. I couldn't do it. I couldn't make the things work. You know what I did in the end? I actually peeled the stickers off and put them on so that it was, it was solved. Hey, look, I solved it. Never get a rescue. The more I had to struggle to use it, the more its value decreased. Okay? But the good news, what we're seeing here, is that's not at all how the good shepherd sees us. That's why when we started out talking about his knowledge before he calls us, because one of the main reasons he doesn't feel that way about us is because he already knew it was going to be hard to shepherd us when he called us. He knew just what would be required. He knew it would be hard work to shepherd us, and it also means, for reasons, again, unknown to us, we had such tremendous value to him that he was willing to pursue us even though he knew how hard it was going to be. How do I know that? We know that by what we see in our passage here, of what he was willing to offer, what he was willing to pay to make us his own. We see that in verse 11. Look there with me. Jesus says here, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So what that means is that before we'd done anything, 
anything good, anything to, to merit His love. Jesus, our good shepherd, looked down on us in all of our sheepy imperfections and said, I love you so much. I value you so much that I'd die for you. It says, uh, just as Paul says in Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates His love in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. He saw all of our inability, all of our rejection and sin, all the reasons not to choose us, and he chose us anyway. And he said, I love you so much, I'd die for you. And then, uh, just the same way, coming back to those employees we talked about, the Safeway, the McDonald's employee, the, the bank teller, Jesus now compares the love and commitment that, that, that he has for the sheep that are his, that he values so much, with the employee, with the hired hand. Look at verse 12 and 13. He says, the hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I think that makes sense to all of us, right? An employee is going to do his job that he's being paid for up until a certain point. But the minute his or her life is in danger, well, they're out, right? They're like, sorry. Why? Well, because... That product, that sheep, whatever it is, that doesn't have as much value to them as the one who owns it. They're not going to risk their life in order to save that thing. But if you understand from a first century perspective what's going on with shepherds, shepherds didn't have bank accounts. They didn't have investment portfolios. Everything they had, the sheep, these sheep were their livelihood. This was their bank account. Hey, everything they owned in the world was, was running around, getting stuck in hedges. That, that, that was the, everything they owned. Which is also one of the reasons why to this very day, uh, I'm sort of ashamed to say it, but I, I still struggle to leave my kids with a babysitter. I do. And one of the reasons is, is because they have such value to me. Completely separate from anything they do. They don't do anything to earn it. Just by nature, the fact that they're my own. I'm so, I just know that, that no one else has the same level of commitment that, that anybody else would. Okay, so if the wolves start coming, whatever those are, I know the babysitter is not going to have the same commitment to their protection and their safety that I would. They're not going to lay down their life. But when we value things, we're willing to sacrifice. We're willing to give up anything, even to the risk of giving our lives. On the one hand, we're willing to risk the pain and difficulty of raising a child, to discipline them and do the things in order to, to train them to, to follow the right ways. That's a commitment. That's hard work. But it's so valuable to us that we'll do it. Same with the shepherd. He values those sheep. That's my bank account here. That's why when you read about the shepherd going off for the, the one sheep that's missing, you think, why? It's just one. No, no. That's so valuable to him. He's going to go off and get that one sheep. But if you didn't know that that picture that you have maybe up on your wall or you've seen at House of James or whatever with Jesus and the white robe and he's carrying the lamb over his shoulders like this. Have you seen that picture? When a sheep continues to run off and get lost, what a shepherd would do is he would actually chase down the sheep, tackle it, and break its legs. Then he would carry the sheep on his shoulders until its legs healed. And from that time, then the sheep would never actually leave the shepherd's side. It would stay there for the rest of its life. The shepherd is willing even to harm the sheep in order to keep them from danger, to keep them from the wolves. 
Same way we would harm a child in order to keep them from touching the stove or wandering out into the street. It's a, it's a loving discipline. It's not meant to harm for harm's sake. It's meant to heal and to lead in the right direction. But then sometimes that's not enough. And sometimes even sacrifice, personal sacrifice is required in order to protect that which is so valuable to us. One of the things we didn't cover last week in our discussion when Jesus revealed himself as the gate was that historically speaking, one of the ways that a shepherd would guard his sheep that were so valuable to him is that he would lay himself down across the one gate to the sheep pen at night. He would sleep there so that if a, sheep, if a wolf or whatever was trying to get at the sheep, he'd have to come through him in order to get at the sheep. That's exactly what Jesus is trying to get across here in verse 11. When he says he lays down his life for the sheep. What we miss in our English translations, however, is the substitutionary nature of that sacrifice. Because what we don't see, we just see, he says he lays down his life for the sheep. In the Greek, that word for is huper, which doesn't mean just for the sheep. It means in place of the sheep. I lay down my life in place of the sheep, on behalf of the sheep. Which means, just as Tim Keller says of of this verse here, he says, Jesus is saying, I love the sheep so much that when the wolves come, I become a sacrificial lamb myself in order to protect the sheep. That's just what the Bible shows Jesus does for his sheep. When our greatest predators of sin and death come to devour us, Jesus places himself in harm's way so that he might be devoured by those things and we could go free. We have such value to him, he would even lay down his life for us. And if you look at verse 18, you see that this isn't, he's not, it's not doing his job, this is a voluntary sacrifice. Look at what he says there. Verse 18 of our passage. He says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, I have authority to take it up again, which means we think of the death of Jesus. Yes, all those guys, uh, Pilate, Judas, uh, the religious leaders, uh, the Romans. Yes, they're all complicit in Jesus' death. And yet it's just as the Apostle Peter says in Acts 4, 28, all of them, all of those people, they only did what God's power and will had decided beforehand should happen. He did it willingly and voluntarily. He wasn't compelled to do it. He wanted to do it. What that means for you and I today is that Jesus, our good shepherd, truly does. He offers that life to the full. He offers that Zoe life, which is so much more than just mere existence. Verse 10 talks about he does offer that life to us, but he knew even as he was saying that, that in order to give us that life, he'd have to give up his own. Which is why... 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, our good shepherd, just as the shepherd would lay himself down across the gate in order to protect his sheep, Jesus Christ willingly laid himself down on a Roman cross and was devoured by the wolves of sin and death so that you could be made his own, so you could be his treasured possession for all time. That's how valuable you are to him. He loves you so much, he wasn't just willing to die for you. He did die. He gave up his very life so that you could be saved and made his own treasured possession. 
And if you can hear that, if you can hear that this morning and are moved by the immensity of a God who knows you fully and yet still loves you and values you like this, then he's speaking to you once again. He's speaking to you now again. Can you hear his voice? If you know him as your shepherd, do you hear his voice once again reminding you of just how valuable you are to him? Surely, a God who loves us like this and who would give himself like this is worthy of our love and worthy of following his voice where he leads us. If you've never known Jesus as your good shepherd, I pray this morning that you would be hearing his voice. I pray that today might be the day you would come to find the life to the full that he offers you and which cost him his own life in order to purchase for you. I pray that today would be the day that his light would lead you out of the darkness to the one gate and that in entering through him, you might have that life to the full. Today could be that very day. If you do know Jesus as your good shepherd, there's two things I pray for you today. First of all, that your heart might be stirred again by the amazing love that the good shepherd has for you. And you see how much he values you. And also to know that you would know and feel that you continue to be valued in his eyes. Okay, It doesn't stop once you become his own. You continue to have value to him. And that's so key for us to know because can we all just be honest here this morning and admit that there's times when the shepherd leads us places now dark, places hard, places scary, places that we don't want to go and we feel anything but valued by him? Isn't that true? That's where reminding ourselves of just how much he paid in order to make us his own reminds us we, we still are valued to him. He still does guard us and care for us, and it keeps us from foolishly doubting that he's just stopped, he's just given up now. If he would do that much in order to make us his own, he's going to continue to value us, he's going to continue to love us. And we should follow where he leads, even through the hard places. Second thing I pray for us is that not only does the sheep know his sheep and value his sheep, I pray that you'd see the good shepherd also sends his sheep. He sends them. If you look again at verse 3 and 4 of our passage, very quickly, look at what Jesus says. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse 4, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Now, do you notice uh, he says the good shepherd leads them out. He goes ahead of them. This is one of the main differences between uh, Eastern ideas of shepherding and Western. Okay? And in Western ideas of shepherding, they drive the sheep. They, they send uh, dogs to chase them and go where they want. In, in Eastern shepherding, the shepherd leads them, and they follow behind him. But he's saying, I'm going out ahead of you. I'm going to lead the way. I'm not going to sit behind the safety of the sheep pen and be like, hey, go get them, guys. Watch out, there's wolves out there. I'll be here when you get back. He goes ahead. He leads us as we go out. But as Jesus said in John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. 
In fact, in Matthew's gospel, when Jesus is talking to his disciples and using this exact same metaphor, listen to what he says. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. What? Why? Why? Why would he do that? Why would he put his sheep in such danger and send them out into the wolves like that? Why? Because there's other sheep out there who still don't have a shepherd. There's other sheep still wandering in darkness who've never known the care of the shepherd, the comfort and security of being a part of his sheep pen. So he leads us out that way, really in order to be shepherds alongside him. That's what his call is to us, I think. So in a very real sense, the Great Commission. We talk about it all the time, Matthew 28. Jesus, before he leaves, he says to his disciples and through them to us, Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's a call to each and every one of his sheep. Now, not simply just to lounge and feed ourselves to the full in the comfort and security of the sheep pen. It's a call to leave the safety of the sheep pen and go out in search of other sheep who are still lost. Carrying the good shepherd's call to other lost sheep still wandering in darkness. The Apostle Paul says it this way, 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. could say, we are therefore Christ's co-shepherds. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's what every one of us who have passed through the gate into the good shepherd's fold have now been called to. We've been called by our good shepherd to go out. We've been sent out to be shepherds alongside him. And I know that's scary. And I know that's terrifying because we're still sheep and we're being sent out among wolves. But, but knowing that he's going out ahead of us, he's leading the way as our shepherd. He's, he's calling us to follow behind him. And knowing how much value we have to him, how much he knows each of our weaknesses and failings already. I think that can give us the confidence that we can trust. We will remain safely. We will ultimately remain safe in him. And we can follow him where he leads us, whatever comes against us.